Man, I, I just, I'm really excited about today because I, I, I've, I feel like God's been birthing some stuff in me as far as just, just different things he's been teaching me. And so this is going to be less about teaching you and more about kind of what God's teaching me. And if you happen to learn something from it, great. I'm really, I, I'm hopeful that you do. But um, I just kind of was thinking as we were, as they said, hey, would you preach the, the 27th in between Christmas and, and New Year's? Um, I started thinking about that because we're not a part of a series right now. I just started asking God, what do you want me to teach on? And, and I, I got this, this kind of phrase. Uh, it just it, it sat in my spirit. And the, and the phrase was, hindsight is twenty twenty. And I started thinking about that. The first, the, the one side of it was like, you know, it's really cool to think about that 2020 is almost over, right? Like, if we're honest, you know, we were like, oh my gosh, what a year. This has been crazy. Can, can we get over with it now? Um, and and, and, and I, I want to be able to stand before you today and tell you everything's going to change in 2021. Like, it's all going to be new. New year, new you, new set of circumstances, new, like, come on, let's build those New Year's resolutions. The problem is, is I can't tell you that. I don't know. I have no idea <laughs> if circumstances are going to be any different in 2021. It feels like it, doesn't it? It just kind of feels like we're turning the page a little bit. But I want to caution us. Um, I think it's really important that we take a window of opportunity right now to, uh, to not just move forward ahead, but to pause. Because there are some things that 2020 has taught us that I believe we need to take into 2021. Um, I was thinking about this in terms of like a, a driving metaphor, and maybe it's because we bought my seven-year-old and six-year-old for Christmas. We only do one Christmas present every year. Last year, we took them to Disney, and uh, this year, we were like, let's buy them a Nintendo Switch, because we try to think of Christmas presents more as like, how can we make memories together? How can we have shared experiences together? So we're very, you know, we're not going to just let them play video games and stuff. We, we're like, we're going to do this together as a family, because we wanted to introduce to them the greatest game of all time. Hello, Mario Kart. Come on, somebody. Can, can I get a witness on some Mario Kart? It has been awesome. We've been reliving our childhood, and we found out that this Nintendo Switch is not a gift for my seven-year-old and six-year-old. It's more a gift for me and my wife, because after they went to bed at eight o'clock, we stayed up till one o'clock in the morning, and we were playing like Super Mario Brothers, and we're like trying to beat, you know, Bowser, and so it was really awesome. It was so much fun. But I was, it reminded me, as I was playing Mario Kart, it reminded me about it's how important it is to recognize the proportional difference between the windshield and the rearview mirror. Uh, I got in a wreck a couple years ago because I didn't recognize the proportional difference of this. Anybody been in a wreck before? Uh, we were coming to it. It wasn't a bad wreck. It was just kind of a fender bender thing, but we were coming up to a stop sign. Somebody slammed on their brakes in front of us, and as I'm slamming on my brakes to respond to this, I hear this foreboding sound behind me of, maybe you've heard it before, screeching tires like they're trying to slam their brakes on and they're not going to stop and so I look up in the rearview mirror and instead of looking where I'm going through the windshield to make sure I break in time I look up to make sure this person's not going to hit me and I hear a collision but it wasn't a collision behind me it was a collision in front of me and I ran into the person in front of me and you know we get out we start to do the thing and they were super kind they you know got out and told me I was number one and it was so great you know I just I appreciate this so grateful for your graciousness and they had no damage on their car because they had a hitch towing package, right? But I was driving a 1997 Honda Civic that was low to the ground, black, and I had this, like, puncture hole in the fender that for months reminded me that I need to drive through the windshield and only glance back at the rearview mirror. 
I believe that this pivotal season we're in right now, in the middle between 2020 and 2021, as we close a year, as we turn a page, we need to remember the proportion of driving through the windshield and glancing in the rearview mirror. Because we make a mistake as human beings. We like to look at the past and we like to just forget about it, don't we? But the past is the past, right? And praise God that the past is the past. Come on, if we apply this to our Christian life, the past is the past. God does not look on you because of your past, because of your baggage, because of your burdens, because of the things that you brought in here. He looks on you if you've received what Jesus did for you on the cross, and he sees Jesus, not you. I'm so grateful that the past doesn't have to paralyze me. I'm so grateful that the past can be in the past, and that God, because of his son Jesus, gives me a brand new future and trajectory. Praise God for that. But the temptation would be that we just decide to completely dismiss the past. The other temptation, though, is that we live in the past, and it paralyzes us. How many of you know people where their past has paralyzed them, and they're not able to step into the future? We live on opposite spectrums, and I want to issue to you today, and then I want to apply it to what we've gone through in 2020 as we move into 2021, that that, that our lives are designed to drive through the windshield, because it's bigger, hello, to drive forward through the windshield, but to make sure that we glance back in the rearview mirror. That's the best way to drive. And we need to do it in that proportion. And so right now, what I want to do is I want to glance back at 2020, and I want to say, okay, what have we learned from 2020 that we can be intentional about carrying into 2021. Because the reality, again, of 2021 is that your circumstances might not change. You might not wake up or like ring in the new year on New Year's Eve. The, the clock strikes midnight. And things won't magically change. But you can change. Your heart can change. And you and I can be insulated in the midst of whatever circumstances that are going on. You know what insulation does? Insulation protects and guards the temperature of what's going on on the inside, no matter what temperature is on the outside. And that's what God has called us to be as Christians, is that our hearts are white hot, no matter how cold it might seem on the outside. Come on. That we're insulated from our circumstances because we serve a God who is good in any circumstance. And so this is what I want to talk to us about today. And again, I'm just sharing from my heart of the things that as I'm looking forward in 2021, I'm reflecting back on 2020 and I'm thinking about what are the things I learned in 2020 that I want to carry into 2021 and be intentional about it. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6 because I believe this passage right here tells us a very pivotal thing that took place in the history of God's people that can help us and inform us as we step into this new year. Isaiah chapter 6, the first thing that I have learned from 2020 is this. 2020 revealed my true priorities. 2020 revealed my true priorities. Isn't it interesting how times and seasons of pressure and crisis reveal to us what's really important to us? We, I, I've said this before, but I think it, it goes, it's worth saying again, is that what we experience in a season of crisis and a season of trauma if we can call it that, in 2020, is it's what I call a sponge season of life. What comes out of us is what was already in us when life squeezes us. 2020 did not cause things to happen in your life and in my life. It revealed things that were already happening in our life. And we see something that takes place in the life of the children of Israel, God's people. In Isaiah chapter 6, this is what it says in verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Stop right there. This is a massive national tragedy. 
Because this is God's people. God had promised a group of people known as the Israelites that as long as they followed after him, obeyed him, put him first above all else, that he would always provide and protect, protect them. And they asked that a king would reign over them. And he said, okay, I'll give you a king as long as that king promises to put me first, to put me on the throne. And King Uzziah did. He actually created a lot of reforms. There was a lot of innovations under King Uzziah. The history tells us that under King Uzziah's reign, which was over 50 years, so it was very established, that Israel thrived. There was an abundance in that. But as his reign went on, he began to let success go to his head. Pride began to rise up inside of him. He began to give himself credit rather than God credit, and it led to his demise and his downfall. It led to a disease known as leprosy in his life that ultimately led to his death. Another sermon for another time, but what this tells me is it doesn't matter how you start the race, it matters how you finish the race. Come on. And, and, and to some of us, that might be, was that a warning? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, you know, I can kind of walk away. No, no, no. I think it's encouraging because many of us have started the race of life not in, in ways that we're not proud of, in ways that we would be ashamed of, in ways that make us feel guilty, in ways that are so far away from God. But what's so good about what Jesus did for us on the cross is there can be a complete reversal of those, that God does not look on us and see our sin anymore. He has wiped us clean because of the bloodshed on the cross, past, present, and future. And so we can live in a new future no matter what our past is. It doesn't matter how you start the race. It matters how you finish it. But in this guy's case, it was opposite. It led to his demise and his downfall. And even though this guy began to slip away from following God, this was a national crisis. And everybody was going, oh, my gosh, what do we do? Sound familiar? 2020. Might as well say, in the year of the coronavirus, in the year of some major political upheaval and climate, like, in the year of a lot of division, I mean, you describe it however you want to describe 2020, but there is a year that is a national crisis for us, and watch what happens right here, because Isaiah, who's supposed to then step into leadership, not as a king, but as a prophet, to speak on behalf of God, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, watch this, I saw the Lord. There might not be a more profound verse than that right there, because what that tells me is that in the midst of tragic circumstances, God shows up and he is still, watch, look at this, he is still seated on the throne. It says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Seated on the throne, friends. It doesn't say that he was standing. It doesn't say that he was up pacing, wringing his hands going, oh my gosh, I didn't see this coming. Like, hold on, wait a minute, what, what, what happened? What do we do about this? It didn't say that. It says he's seated. He wasn't seated because he was apathetic or he was unconcerned. It was seated because he's in control, because he knows the future. We might not know, not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And Isaiah saw the Lord seated on the throne in the midst of everything else going awry in his life. Isn't it interesting that when everything else goes awry in our life, it reveals to us who really sits on the throne of our life? I'm starting to preach here, now I need to, I need to taper this back for a second. That's what 2020 has done for me, friends. Because 2020 has caused me to pause and go, wait a minute. Uh, like, I thought God was sitting on the throne of my life. I thought I trusted him no matter what. But all of these different things that are happening around me are causing some anxiety and some fear and some concern and some depression. It, it's causing these, I'm, I'm beginning to cope. I'm beginning to try to manage with other things. 
as I have conversations with pastors around the country, that's what I, I, I do for a living. I travel and speak. And so as I go into churches and, and, and I help, help a pastor out and just say, hey, like, you know, let me, let me fill in for you for a week. I ask them, what's going on this year? How, what's the climate of your church right now? And they tell me some absolutely staggering things, some heartbreaking things. I mean, we've had so many, um, we've had so many former addicts who have relapsed and some of them who have even overdosed and many of them have died. And, you know, just horrifically awful things. Suicide rates are up. Anxiety's up, all of these things. Why? Here's why. Because, because in comfort prior to 2020, all of these things were cloaked. Now they're being revealed. When crisis hits our life, it shows us who really sits on the throne. It reveals to us idols. All an idol is, friend, it's not some kind of like thing that you sit there and you worship and stuff. You might see them, but no. An idol is what we look to and what we go to to cope. So it's alcohol, drugs, success, work. I found that in 2020, I start striving and working really hard when I get under pressure. Because somehow the idol to me is like, man, if I can, I can work, I can fix this, I can make this happen. And sometimes you get to a place where you get to the end of yourself and you realize, I can't do that. 2020 revealed that to me. And so I'm asking myself the question, does God really sit on the throne of my life? And in what areas is he not first? You see, if you and I want to have a thriving life in 2021, no matter what circumstances take place, we have to answer that question. And I believe we have to take a fine-tooth comb through all the areas of our life, spiritually, financially. Hello. You want to know where your worship is? Just draw a line straight from your wallet to your worship. Was that a little bit too touchy right there? Sorry. It's true. I can tell you what you tend to run to in seasons of crisis by looking at your bank account and looking at your calendar. And I'm having to do a major, major inventory check in my life about those same things. I think we've got to take a fine-tooth comb through all the areas of our life, emotionally, financially, spiritually, relationally. And we have to say, does God sit on the throne of each one of these areas of my life? In fact, this is what I'm doing. As I'm looking at out, Outlook of 2021, I'm pausing, I'm glancing back in the rearview mirror, and I'm running everything through a grid. Hopefully you guys can all see this. And this is a grid that I did not learn from the Bible, although I think it's very true, and all truth is God's truth. You can actually see some of these uh, some of these themes in the Bible. This is, I learned from Stephen Covey's seven, uh, seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this is the urgent and, uh, and important quadrants, okay? And so right here, I'm gonna put you for urgent. I'm gonna put in you for not urgent. I'm gonna put I right here for important. And I'm gonna put in I for not important. You guys got that? What we have to do is we have to take a look at every area of our life and we have to say, okay, where, like f my financial life, what quadrant am I living in? Okay, my spiritual life, what quadrant am I living in? Relational life, what quadrant am I living in? Let me explain the quadrants to you. You have important and urgent. There are some seasons of our life that there are very important things that we have to attend to that are also urgent. Sometimes these are emergencies. You got to deal with it. But this is the zone that I call the surviving zone. Okay, surviving zone. Now, last November... Christy and I, my wife, we had a baby. And so much of 2020, we were living in the surviving zone. 
It was our third. He was not sleeping. We were not sleeping. We were just trying to respond to everything urgent, case in point, right? That could not have been timed better. Thank you so much. That was amazing. <laughs> right? You hear that cry? It's urgent. You go, you're like, oh my gosh. It's, well, and it's important too. Like, I can't just go like, ah, whatever, just leave him there. He'll figure it out. You know, like, it's a baby, so we gotta, we gotta go there. But here's the deal. You can't live perpetually in the surviving zone. You can't. Many of us live here. Crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis. You know the people in your life, everything's a crisis? Well, it's because they're living here. They're responding to the urgent and the important. They're like, oh my gosh, because they're not living intentionally. They're living out of default. And out of default, all you do is drift. You only get to your destination that you want to get to by design. And so we have to get out of the surviving zone. Sometimes we live in this zone in seasons, but you can't live here forever can't live here forever. So now we, we also have the not urgent and important. And this is one that we're going to come back to, but this is the most important zone for us to attend to right here. The important, but not urgent. Right here we have the urgent and not important. Okay. So these are the things that are urgent. They grab our attention. They need our attention, but they're not the most important things in our life. They're not essential. Come on. Isn't that the rhetoric this past year? What's essential? Well, 2020 is showing me what's essential right now, okay? And so there are some things that are not essential, but they are urgent. There's notifications, there's text messages, there's pings, there's bleeps, there's all of these distractions that vie for our attention, but they aren't the most important thing. They're important enough that we've got to, you know, we feel like we've got to attend to them, but the problem is, is we live our lives responding, this is the responding zone, to things that are urgent, but not important. This is the zone where most people live. This is the zone where most people live. This is why you feel like in your life you never make any kind of progress or you don't have any traction. You feel like things are chaotic and in disarray. I would attest, I would just, I would, I would just issue to you, if you feel that way, if you feel like things are chaotic, check this right here. Are you living in this zone? Okay, you guys with me? You got it? Okay. The other one right here is not important and not urgent, okay? This, I just call this the wasting zone. Like, if it's not important and it's not urgent, why are you doing it, right? Why are you living there at all? So let's just stay away from this zone right here. Um, this is important and not urgent. This is the most important zone for us to attend to. We want to try to get everything in our life into this zone, okay? Because this means that we are intentionally cultivating the things that are most important, the priorities of our life, even though they don't seem urgent. Does that make sense? Let me give you kind of an example here. My marriage, what zone do I want my marriage to live in? Well, I don't want it to live in the responding zone where I'm just constantly responding to needs or responding to different things, right? I want to anticipate my wife's needs. I want to know her. I want to be a student of her. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not making her mad all the time, so she has to tell me what her needs are. I don't want to live in this zone right here because that's not healthy for our marriage. And I don't want to live in this zone right here because this is crisis. So what I have to do with my marriage is I have to attend to it and cultivate it when it's not urgent. I have to be proactive. I have to say, how do I cultivate our friendship? How do I spend time investing in her, learning her, becoming a student of her? How do I be intentional about taking her out on dates regularly, right? Having fun together, building memories together. Because if I can live here, then I can avoid this. But most people don't live here intentionally, and so what happens? You move into crisis where you're in counseling, but it's crisis counseling. Where you find yourself 
doing what you never thought you would do and, and separating, even divorcing. Do you see what I mean here? Most of the time that we get here is because we weren't attending to it here. Kids, I've been thinking about this a lot because I have a seven-year-old and a six-year-old. And I'm like, wow, time is slipping away pretty quickly. They're going to be teenagers soon. What am I building in their life that is the most important thing so that their life doesn't hit a crisis? You see, most of the time, especially dads, what we do is we say, oh, instead of going to church on the weekends, I'm going to have my kid be playing travel ball all the time every single weekend. They're not in church at all. And then when their life is falling apart at 17 years old and they're making really dumb decisions, we drag them back to church, take them to the youth pastor and say, will you fix my kid's life? Sorry, is that too real? But it's true. So we've got to attend to the things in our life that don't seem urgent at the time, but they are important. And these are the, they're the trickiest ones to identify and to address. So what I'm doing right now is I'm going, okay, now that I have this moment where I can glance in the rearview mirror, what in 2020 revealed to me is most important in my life? What's most important in my life is pursuing after the presence of God. That's the most important thing. That's what Isaiah found right here, right? In the midst of crisis, I saw the Lord, and he was present. If you go back into that verse, it says, it says the train of his robe filled the temple. At the end of it, it says the temple was filled with smoke. In other words, his presence was so pervasive, it filled everything up, and it provided something that I needed. The train of his robe is a very important phrase because it alludes to this idea of healing. In fact, Jesus, maybe you remember this story, in the Gospels, on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, he gets touched on the hem of his robe, right, by this woman who had a bleeding problem for 12 years. She had exhausted all outlets, every resource that she possibly could to try to heal this bleeding problem that she had. She couldn't find a solution to this problem. And so she goes and maybe Jesus would have the solution. She touches the hem of his robe and she's healed immediately. The hem of his robe is a powerful, powerful metaphor right here. And what this is saying is that when Jesus's presence is the first and primary focus in our life, healing happens. Healing for our heart, healing for our lives, for our relationships, for, listen friends, this world I don't care what rhetoric is going on right now. Unless we are looking to Jesus and putting him on the throne, no matter what transitions of power are taking place, no matter who sits in the presidency at the helm, it doesn't matter. If Jesus isn't sitting at the, home, at the, the helm, we are not going to experience healing. We're not. But when Jesus is, we, w- we will experience healing in our own lives and in the lives of people around us because we become agents of that of this gospel message, this new kingdom, this different reality that we can bring with us everywhere we go. And it's a reality of love and of grace and of forgiveness, and it revolutionizes things. I've found that in 2020, I need to lean into the presence of Jesus more. And I don't want to forget that in 2021. So that's the most important thing, but it's not urgent right now. Being present with my wife is super important. Being present with my kids. Incidentally, you don't have to do this, but our family chooses a word every single year that's going to define our family for the year. In 2021, our word is presence. And it's a double entendre. We're going to lean into the presence of God, and we're going to be present with each other. The problem 
with being present, what 2020 revealed to me is that when everything else was stripped away and I felt I was finally like just kind of having to exist because there was no other distractions, I felt these like gnawing things in my heart. Like, like, a, like a, a lack of peace. And all of a sudden, I was confronted with some things in my own life that were not settled. In my own internal peace, my relationship with God, and my relationship with other people. I think it was a gift that that was given to me, and I think it's a gift that it was given to you. Because it reveals to you where your priorities are off where God's not sitting on the throne of your life. So, so that's one thing that 2020 revealed to me is my priorities. The other thing tw- that 2020 kind of showed me or revealed to me was that, that it was painful. 2020 was painful, was it not? I mean, there was a lot of pain in those moments where I was forced to be confronted with <laughs> no distraction. We couldn't, like, go out and escape the just being there and being present. It showed me some of those things in relationships that had some tension, and that was painful. It showed me some issues that were unresolved in my heart. That was painful. But maybe you're experiencing other kinds of pain. Maybe you're experiencing some pain of, uh, of fear, of concern, of anxiety, some pain of some relational dissonance that has taken place because you sit on opposite spectrums of some political you know, opinion that, from other people and that became very uh, heated and full of vitriol. I don't know. Maybe you experienced what you, some kind of a betrayal this year. Maybe you experienced a loss this year. 2020 has been marked with pain, hasn't it? And it can cause us to go, wait a minute, okay, um, you know, I believe that God sits on the throne and he's in control of all of this and what's under... What's over our head is under his feet still. I get that, right? But, but like, does he really care? Because this has, been, this has been painful. I believe it was C.S. Lewis that said, um, if God is just in control but he's not loving, then we should be terrified of him. But if he's just loving and he's not in control, then <laughs> we should be terrified of everything else. But how awesome is it that God is in control and he cares? And, and, and when we start asking questions and the pain that we've experienced in 2020, we were like, God, why did you not step in? Why did you not do something? Why did you not prevent this? Why did you not intervene? What You could have done something about all of this. You could have healed my loved one. You could have, you fill in the blank. What I know to be true of God is that he's looking not down on us, but with us, looking at us, saying, I care. And, and I don't always intervene to, to prevent, but I will always intervene to produce. And God's promise to us out of 2020 into 2021 is I will take the mess of 2020 and produce something great out of it. You see, God created us with this massive, massive risk, but a beautiful gift. And that was the gift of choice. And that gift of choice was so risky because it 
it enabled us to either choose to receive God or reject him. And for all of history, humanity has rejected him in general. I mean, every one of us have decided in certain times to go our own way, not God's way. And yet, instead of condemning the world, instead of coming in and and, and judging us, what did he do? God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, to atone for that, to wipe it clean, to make it right. And this is what happens in Isaiah 6. In the crisis, he sees God, and he's feeling, oh my gosh, I'm broken. I don't deserve to be in the presence of God. You realize if we were in the presence of God, like if we saw the fullness of God because of the brokenness of humanity, we'd be like evaporated in a moment. Isaiah sees God in his fullness, and he's like, I don't deserve that. I'm going to die. And God, it says right here in in, in verse 5, woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. This was before Jesus, but Jesus became that atoning sacrifice for us to take our sin away once and for all. So now we can stand in the presence of a holy God and not be condemned, but be received and accepted and even be empowered to take part in what he's calling us to do in this earth. It's so amazing that he takes our pain He says, I want to produce something out of this. But this means, friends, that even in the producing, we're going to experience pain. That pain is something that does something so amazing in our lives. And that Jesus doesn't just, he doesn't just issue this to us, that we have to go. He actually walked in it with us. Paul says if we want to experience the resurrection of Christ, we've got to experience the suffering of Christ. And I experienced in 2020 some pruning in my life, some cutting away, some things that were shed in my life that that were a little bit painful, and maybe you have too. You guys understand, you know this, what this is? Like pruning shears is what it is. Cut off branches of a tree to prune it. Somebody in the first service called it loppers. So that's appropriate. It's lopper. And um, the first time that I uh, really encountered the necessity of this, I, uh, the first house that we bought, I had a tree. It was like a cherry blossom tree that wasn't, it wasn't producing fruit. It was like overcrowded and stuff. And I thought maybe I'd have to cut it down. And so my father-in-law came over and he said, no, just take one of these and just lop it off. I was like, well, a lopper, that's a- appropriate. And so here it was in spring when, you know, I'm wanting my landscape to look really good, and I've got this, like, completely shaved tree. It looked hideous. It was awful, right? And I'm sure if you were to personify feelings onto the branches while I'm cutting it, they're not like, oh, yeah, it's a day of the spa. That feels really good, right? It was painful for that tree. But the very next year, you know what it did? It produced something beautiful, and the blossoms started appearing again. And for many of us, 2020, what happened in it is things were being extracted from our lives. And it, again, it showed us what was most important. But even in that extraction, God promises to take that and use it to produce something good out of it as a pruning process in our lives. Why? Well, because God's mathematics are different than our mathematics. You see, as we step into 2021, the temptation will be 
for us to go, okay, cool, things are getting back to normal. Now I can add things back to my life. But if you begin to add those things back into your life, the additives will distract you from what's most important again, and it will actually cause division. So now you will fail to produce fruit in your life, fail to thrive in your life, because you have been distracted. You're divided. You see, God doesn't want us to be divided by addition. He wants us to multiply in our lives. But he often multiplies through subtraction. There's some things that get cut away. For me, one of the things that got cut away, just kind of open up the book in my life a little bit, my livelihood is contingent on being able to go out and speak at other churches. And at the beginning of 2019, my wife and I made a massive, massive transition in our life. We stepped away from the church that I was pastoring to start a new ministry and go and, and help churches all over the country to walk through, to help people walk through tragedy and trauma in their lives. And things were great in 2019. I mean, calendar was full. We were out traveling and speaking all the time, making memories as a family. It was so much fun. It was like such an abundant, thriving time. And then 2020 hits, and the calendar was looking good, and then COVID. And when people don't gather, they don't hire speakers. And so here we were going, how in the world are we going to provide? <laughs> how are we going to make ends meet? What's going to happen? And I saw speaking engagements. As little, like, as kind of like minute as that sound, I saw it getting pruned out of my life. But it was deeper than just speaking engagements. It was my livelihood. It was as, like, as, as the father and husband of our home, like, how am I going to provide? What am I going to, I didn't have any other way to do this. But what's so cool is God always shows up because he's not only in control, he's also caring. And he loves us. So here I was for about a week kind of freaking out. It had this happened 10 years ago, my freak out season would have been a lot longer than a week. But what I've known about God through some difficult experiences, through some pruning painful processes, is that God is good and he shows up. And so for that week of freaking out, I remembered that the best predictor of God's future faithfulness is his past provision. And God reminded me of all the times that he has provided in my life, that he has seen us through, that when we step out in faith and we're obedient, he takes care of the outcome. And so we freaked out for about a week and then we, we okay, all right, God, we're just going to trust in you. I don't know how you're going to do it. Now in our life, when we get into seasons like that, we kind of get excited about seeing how God's going to come through. You know what I mean? We're like, oh, I can't wait to see how this is going to happen, right? Like, that's a little bit twisted, Davey. You know, like, crisis happens. Wow, God, how are you going to come through? This is awesome. You know what I mean? You know how? How can we be excited about that? Because God has come through so many times in the past. So we freaked out for about a week, and we're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then we're like, God, we trust you. You're going to take care of us. About a week into it, we get a call from an angel donor who says, hey, we want to we want to fit the bill for your salary for the entire year. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And out of that, friends, what we've been able to do as a ministry is build out some infrastructure to serve churches and people way better in 2021 than what we were able to in 2019. Fruit is going to come out of this, already has, because of pruning that God did in our lives. I don't know what that looks like for you. 
But I know that God's always faithful in the midst of the pruning seasons. And I just wonder if you look back on 2020 and just see some of the ways that God's kind of pruned some stuff out of you. And instead of, instead of looking and reflecting and staying focused on that rearview mirror, glance back at it and then look forward to how he's going to produce something good in your life. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and we're going to close this. The very last uh, thing that Isaiah experiences right there, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. You see, in the moments of crisis, Isaiah looks to God, makes sure that made sure that he was sitting on the throne. Everything cascaded from there. And then he realized the healing that needed to happen in his own heart, in his own life. He paused long enough to address that. And then God goes, okay, there's a healing thing that needs to happen out there. Because what 2020 has shown me <laughs> is that this world's in crisis. And it needs me and it needs you. It needs you to play your part. If you're taking notes, the third thing is God reminded me of my part in 2020. That he's invited us into this beautiful partnership to set things right. This is what God has invited mankind into since day one. Since the moment sin fractured the universe, he's consistently and he has, he has persistently pursued you and I and invited us to come back into relationship with him and take part in the healing of this world. To take part in setting things right again. And you have something that he's given you that's unique to anybody else. There's nobody else like you. Out of the millions of people that exist in this world, nobody else is just like you. And he's designed you specifically, uniquely to play a specific role and a part in this universe. The question is, are you available to him? In 2021, are you available? I love the fact that God doesn't look and, and sift out and filter people based on their ability. He looks for availability. He says, I'm looking for people who would just raise their hand like Isaiah and say, here I am. I don't know what I don't know what 2021 is going to hold, God. But here's what my my commitment is: I'm going to pursue after Your presence, and I'm going to trust in You, and I'm going to believe that You're in control and that You care about me, and I'm here. I'm available. Choose me. Just let me play the part. Oh, and He's got some amazing, amazing parts for you to play. He's already designed them since the beginning of the universe. Long before you ever knew anything about God or decided what he was going to do with you or decided what you were going to do with him, he's decided what he wants to do with you. He's decided that he wants you to play this amazing, massive role in this whole thing. Like, I can't believe that. I can't believe he would invite me into that. So as I'm reflecting on 2020 and as I'm thinking about all the things that need to get realigned and reapportioned in my life and the things that 2020 has taught me, what I'm looking forward into 2021 going with, what I'm looking forward to it is, is, is just 
this unknown, this mystery. God, what are you wanting to do in my life? What, what plans do you have? And it might seem unnerving. It might seem, might seem really scary. But there's enough track record that I have with following after Jesus to know that in the moments that seem the most scary and the most unnerving are the moments that God comes through the most. And he rushes in. And when we worry about just surrendering to him and being obedient, he worries about the outcome. And when that equation is properly aligned, man, some powerful things happen. So listen, friends, I, I, don't, know where, I don't know where this hits you. Again, these are things that I'm just kind of reflecting on right now and things that I'm kind of thinking about. But I just wonder if maybe in this season, before we step into 2021, if you just take a pause. Just take a moment and say, God, what are some ways that I need to, what are some ways that I need to be realigned? Where are you not sitting on the throne of my life? Where do I need to just accept the pruning process that's happening inside of me? How do I need to step into my part? I don't know what it is, but I do know that God's got something so special for you in 2021 despite how or whether or not the circumstances change. I wish I could give you that good news. It's all going to be different in 2021. Everything's going to change. We won't have to wear masks anymore. It's all going to be lifted. We get to go out and have dinner out with everybody again. We get to visit with each other for next year for Thanksgiving. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that we can thrive no matter what 2021 brings. So would you do this? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I just want to invite you into a moment where we just respond. What's so great about opening up God's word and diving into it together and studying it together is that the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us individually because he's got such a personal plan for each one of us. And so right now as we respond, as we sing, I just want you to spend some time while you're singing to just open your heart up to God and say, God, I, I, I just want to be available to you. Whatever it is you're calling me to, whatever it is you're asking me to take part in, whatever it is that you want me to, to shift and change, however you want me to realign things in my life, I want to take this moment and this season to do that before we step into what could be a really fruitful year for each one of us, guys. So God, I pray that you would give us courage. If there's conversations that need to be had, if there's changes that need to be made, if there's shifts that need to be, that need to be taken, right turns or left turns, whatever it may be, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to do that. Help us to step in obedience and to trust you with the outcome because we know that you're in control and that you care about us. We give you the praise.